Hello and welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This past year, we spoke to a group of special guests, from the first person to walk around the world with a dog by their side, to a filmmaker who wanted to show how dogs can help motivate sobriety, from a vet who started a nonprofit to provide medical care to the dogs of people experiencing homelessness, to a professor in animal studies who sees how our connection with other species can help connect to our own humanity. It was powerful to hear from all of these individuals about how dogs have taught and motivated them to be the best versions of themselves and bring a unique sense of connection to how we interact with the world around us. They are our moral compass. It makes me reflect on the feeling of support and purpose that dogs have brought me and how I could not imagine where my life would be without the lessons of my canine companions. With our Dog Walk Meditation Series, we launched the second season this fall, which looks at this time as a way to further strengthen your mutual connection, featuring former guest and outdoor journalist, Annette McGivney. So as we reach the end of the year, I wanted to express gratitude to our listeners for being able to share these stories. And now, let's take a look back and hear some snippets from this past year's guests. Life never works out the way you expect it when you're a kid. And so to me, like this farm was sort of always home, but then I outgrew this concept of home. And my home is where my dogs are and where they are safe, where I am caring for them, where they are comfortable, where they are warm, where they are fed. For me, at least, whenever I see someone with a friendly dog, I think it's a pretty good measure of, can I trust this person? And I think Savannah served the same way as this ambassador for me. It's nice to have a natural way to have a relationship with different groups of people that you otherwise wouldn't have. And the dog is enough of a commonality to have that bond. I couldn't be without a dog in terms of my scholarly and intellectual life because there's nothing that feeds your creativity more than beings who you make family with, who get you out of your human body and get you into the wider world so you can ask questions. And so my dogs are integral to my creative process. My father, of course, wanted me to join the military so I could be a soldier just like he was. And I had no desire to do that. I wanted to be a veterinarian. And he thought it was an absolute waste of time and waste of education, waste of money. And so there was always this horrible conflict. Fast forward many years, my mother passed away and had a dog and he adopted her dog. And it was a small Yorkie, you know. Once he got the dog, I found that he was calling me three or four times a week. All of a sudden we had a link and I got to really know my father. So after 50 years, we finally had something we could talk about was his little dog. And when I was sitting by his bedside, he finally looked at me and said, no, I'm really proud of you. I'm glad you became a veterinarian. So it took a little dog to make that difference. When Enrique came into my life, I'm a very fast walker, but since he was always stopping, I was stopping. And since he was sniffing out what was going on, I started to too. I started looking more closely at things that I had often just breezed by. 
that relationship with my first rescue animal as an adult opened my eyes in ways that I'd never expected it to. I was living my life more or less out, but I hadn't come out yet to my parents. One night I remember just as I'm going to sleep and thinking tomorrow is the day that I'm going to come out to them. I'm sure that Jazz had something to do with that because she and I were a family. And no matter what happened, I could go back to my family. Dogs are never going to be still. If you're drawing 30 dogs in a room, you're drawing constant movement. There's a moment when you work with moving things where you give up on trying to observe, but you become entangled in the energy of the space. And in that way, there's this transferal of energy between the dogs and yourself. You've read this, you've seen this, heard this. It was just a dog. Move on, get another one. A big part of our healing is the meaning reconstruction. We create the enduring relationship. And even after they die, how do we remember them? How do we experience them? What do we recognize as the influences they had on us, we had on them? What did we learn about our own mortality from them? If therapy dogs are good enough to bring in post-trauma, they are most definitely good enough to bring in before the trauma ever happens. Estimates say that about 20% of our unhoused own a pet. These people are with their pet every moment of every day. They socialize them, they talk to them, they love them, they hug them. And this four-legged creature, they are support, they are hope, they are love. I think a lot of people in addiction and recovery, dogs are also a wonderful reminder about what it is to be in the present moment because they are relating to what is happening in front of them. And it provides a guidepost in a way. And I think it's a beautiful thing for anyone, not just in recovery or addiction, but in suffering to get reminded about that. Our dogs are truly our best friend. And we need to treat our dogs as we would treat our best friend with a lot more kindness and awareness. And I think dogs are so generous in giving to us. If we start to hook into that generosity and that kindness and start to really feel it, it starts to become a part of us.